How extraordinary you all are here again for another episode of True Crime, Fashion, and Passion. Today is going to be a really, really interesting story about a very good friend of mine that I've known for many, many years, one of my favorite ladies in the fashion business. She was a stylist, and she is just someone who is so versed in the world of entertainment and fashion and magazines, just all of it together. Her name is Marielle Bobo, and she is the editor-in-chief and senior vice president of programming at Ebony Media now, and she is someone that has followed her heart. As a little girl, she dreamed of working in the magazine industry, and she would look at Ebony Magazine with her grandmother, and it's so exciting to have friends that are living their dreams, and I'm so glad to be able to share these stories with you and Pat and I just love being here, and I hope you're enjoying these episodes, the true crime ones, as well as these inspiring conversations with influencers and passionate people here in the fashion industry. So let's get to it. I want you all to hear about my amazing friend and the world at Ebony Magazine and Ebony Media, Marielle Bobo. Hello, hello, Naeem Khan is here. I am so excited about our next guest, Jay Alexander. Alexander. New king yes. of New York Fashion That's Week. That's right. Raul Peñaranda. Stop it to make me blush like a white woman. <gasps> what was that inspiration again? So inspiration was Norman Norell. Oh, I think what motivated me to keep going was paying the goddamn rent. How do you get to be the king of New York Fashion Week? Yes. When you are the underdog and you don't care, I was trying to scream. I was trying to tell everybody, I'm here. Worked with a genius like him. You make things that are made by hand. It's craftsmanship at its best. That was kind of a routine that you knew how to do it, deal with the timing. Oscar one time said to me, focus in the product and let the product speak for itself. You know, the real Miss J on Instagram, you know where to find my black ass. I love you guys. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Wow, Mariel Bobo, what a beautiful girl, what a beautiful name, what a beautiful person, fashion director. I have known her for years from Hollywood and the whole celebrity thing, and it's just so great to see people you know do extraordinary things, and now she is the editor-in-chief at Ebony. Ebony Vice President, oh my God, Chief. Oh, hello, Chief. Uh, Yeah, do we have to salute? (laughs) Yes, or something. You get get extra feathers. (laughs) So tell us, how did this happen? Yeah, I mean, well, first off, thank you so much for having me on. I am honored. <laughs> I've, you know, of course, followed both of you, your careers forever. And I can't believe that I'm actually sitting here with you <laughs> on the podcast. So thank you for having me. Um, but yeah, I mean, how it started, uh, I don't want to be long winded. So I'll, I'll try to kind of encapsulate. <laughs> but um, with Ebony specifically, I actually was the fashion director here. Um, several years ago, I was a fashion director, fashion and beauty director at Mm -hmm. Ebony for about seven years. Mm -hmm. Um, And so during my time there, you know, I was working on styling all the covers. Pat, actually, (laughs) I had done a fashion shoot with you and Alva Chin for our style department many, many years ago. It was one of the first shoots that I did. Was that the one where I had the broken arm or something like that? No, you didn't have a broken (laughs) arm, but you you guys were both, you were wearing, you were both wearing Oscar de la Renta. It was fabulous, fabulous. If you did it, I'm sure. I know it was fabulous. And when you get to wear those beautiful clothes and have you fix it up, fix us up to make us look good. (laughs) We need that styling. Where would we be without you? Oh my gosh. Um, Mm -hmm. But yes, I was fashion director here for about uh, six years. And then I left 
Um, I was working at some other publications and I spent a little bit of time working at um, Aisha Curry. She launched a lifestyle magazine and I was heading that up. I want to and talk got- about that after because that's really cool too. I, I, mm-hmm. I love your empowerment mm-hmm. of black women. I think that's so important. So powerful. You've really, really stuck up for the team. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, you've really important. done it. But yes. I'm, I'm so excited about Ebony because these covers, you have taken fashion magazines into the 21st century. I have to really say these covers move. They move. Well, first of all, the Andre Leon Talley cover, may he rest in peace. I feel like maybe he's watching over us and laughing. <laughs> and I'm sure it's beautiful because those are classic covers. People keep them and collect them. But That's now with history. the digital, they mm-hmm. move. They, mm-hmm. they're, it's moving. The Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. cover is just stunning. The Jennifer mm-hmm. Hudson covers, mm-hmm. they move. This is what fashion should be in the 21st century. It's not static anymore. You have really, really, I'm, I'm 100% serious. I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you on mm-hmm. because I love what you've really done. People have to look at these covers. And digital because they move. It's all motion. It's what fashion should be now. Fashion is moving. Fashion is beauty. Fashion is yeah. class, right? How do you feel about yeah. all of those? I mean, well, thank you for that. I mean, it's, I think for me coming, you know, when I got the call to come to Ebony, you know, the brand was really kind of in this state of reinvention and renewal. And, you know, with me having the fashion background, I said, you know, what can I bring to the table that, you know, that makes me unique and different in the role? And I mean, having worked on photo shoots and being a person that is very visual, you know, ebony covers are so iconic. And so for me, it was how can we kind of take that legacy of the iconic covers, but bring it forth in this new medium. And then that's where all of the motion and, Ah. you know, taking these photos and bringing video to them and really making them interactive so that the next generation can find something as well that feels new for them, you know, with the shoots. I think fashion is something that should always be ahead of the time. And yet I feel like the department stores and the magazines are stuck in the 20th century. Not like Pat and I who figured out we're in the 21st century this (laughs) This morning. morning. We had a Google. And they're like, as everybody knows, you're in the 21st century. And we're like, well, fake news. We didn't know. We were just checking. But these these move. And it's just, it's fascinating. This is what it should always be. Because the runway shows where you twirl, et cetera, like that's exciting. But so are you getting to cover the shows? Do you cover the shows? Or is it more like a... Um, a technical job. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, coming from fashion, I always, you know, want to be at the shows. I'm not able, unfortunately, to to cover as many of the shows like I used to when I was fashion director, but um, I definitely, you know, attended a lot of the shows this season. And I always try to make an effort to definitely support all the Black designers. There's so many Black designers now more than it's been in years. You Tell know. us, Michelle, Michelle, Michelle Obama. Remember that Reach Higher Fashion Education Workshop? You know that was something very important, and still is. I, you know, are you still doing that? Yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. But yes, yeah, so Michelle Obama Reach Higher was an initiative that she started that was really about finding ways to create opportunities for. Um, young, you know, black students and students of color Mm -hmm. and creating pathways for them to get into the fashion industry, you know, to create more diversity and more opportunities. And so it was great to have an opportunity to to work on that partnership. And now, you know, in my new role at at Ebony, it's, you know, always just the same, I think, goal of trying to bridge the gap, create opportunities. I feel really lucky in that I'm able to tap the next generation of creatives, but also so, wait, honor. I want to hear. I want to hear who's, who's the new designer. Who, who are we looking at? Who are the designers? The new designers. Yes. Oh, I mean, there's five. so many. I mean, Sergio Hudson love. is like killing the game. Love, yep. love, love. 
A Michelle uh, Obama. He he's dressed Michelle many yes. times. I think Kamala Harris yes. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kamala, Michelle Obama, Christopher John Rogers. Absolutely. Everywhere. Fabulous designer. I know him. I know him. So I'm cool. Uh-huh. I got it. Tell us more. Tell us more. Pyre Moss. Pyre Moss. Yeah, Pierre Moss doing amazing things, and he's been really using his platform to also um, talk a lot about social issues, and he does these shows that are always very impactful and make a statement, so he's not only showing fabulous fashion, but then he's also talking about some of the issues, you know, going on in the world, so he's been making such a great impact. There's a really cool mother and daughter design duo that I'm loving. Out of D.C., right? Are they from D.C.? They're called House of Ama. Yeah. And it's a mother and daughter and their whole inspiration is kind of like this folklore, vintage kind of aesthetic. And I think it's just really cool that it's a mother and daughter designing together and they've gotten a lot of um, buzz with CFDA and um, they're doing some great things. So, I mean, I think there's so many black designers, jewelry designers, accessory designers that are doing great things. So this is an exciting time where you're seeing a lot more than there have been in the past. And so... I try to be very intentional when we're shooting to, you know, highlight black designers and, you know, feature their pieces on our covers where we can cover them online. And, well, and I think, and- I think for so many years, it was so hard. I mean, mm-hmm. you remember in the Hollywood days, like there were no black designers. I mean, there was Stephen Burroughs. Yes. Uh, we had Tracy, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, Tracy Roth. I mean, there was just so few black designers and I would, I would actually call it give a brother a break dress. When I would go to Hallie, <laughs> I would say, you know, I, I'd always say who the designers were and what the story was. And I'd say, this is a give a brother a break dress. Mm-hmm. Like, give a brother a break. <laughs> break. Wear his dress. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. because mm-hmm. nobody was doing it. I mean, you were in that time where it was even hard to get clothes for black celebrities. We, we, I, I, I actually, we have to talk about that privately, but that's another yeah, conversation. Yeah, that's a whole other thing, but yeah. it is true. And I mean, I can even say like, Having even on the publishing side, I mean, you know, when I started the first 10, 10 years of my career, I was um, at a lot of the fashion. I was at Allure and a lot of the, you know, the what you call like general market mainstream yeah. publications. And then the last 10 years I've been in multicultural. So it's been like Essence, Ebony, you know, mainly focused on uh, the people. But I'll say that there is a shift <laughs> that definitely happened when I was pulling and styling you know, for certain celebrities, it would be easy to 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 get certain designers for them when it was the Allure shoot or, mm-hmm. you know, the Glamour shoot. But then at Ebony or Essence, ah. that same celebrity, it'd be like, sorry, we can't accommodate you. Or they'd offer like, not the runway looks, it's like the, the commercial looks. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not the, you know, straight off the runway pieces. And so you see, it's a big shift. So it, it, it's a struggle, you know, working in, in media and trying to dress black celebrities and then trying to dress black celebrities at black publications, but it's starting to change. You know, I think I you think, just have to be very vocal. I think Hallie in that, in that dress, mm-hmm. the Yelly Saab really changed the landscape. And that was the first time a, a black actress, mm-hmm. obviously in a historic position, winning the the first Oscar for best actress. God bless Hallie. Yeah. And and that Hilly <laughs> Sub dress put a designer on the map, and I think that was a shift. I worked at Vibe in 1992 yep. when they started, yeah. and I had to call Mark Jacobs to get clothes for black people for R and B artists because. Mm-hmm three big designers that have made a lot of money off of the culture mm-hmm. would not give the, the dresses until I, or the clothes until I called Mark. And the Mark said, what do you mean you can't get clothes for black people? What? Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. like, 
I'm, I'm serious. He was at Perry Ellis at the time, and then he gave us clothes, and then the others came on board. And that was before yeah. they signed Tyson Beckford, just a hint at who I'm talking yeah. about. Well, um, I mean, I think it takes, it's taken, you know, with, with, I think with all of us, I think having that, that being a, a seat, at, having that seat at the table and advocating, I mean, Pat, all that you've obviously <laughs> done in your prolific career. Carry the you torch. Know, and, yeah. yeah carrying the torch and being on the runways in these amazing couture looks and wearing high fashion, seeing that on a woman of color and fill up all of the amazing things you've done in your career with working with, you know, uh, black women and dressing them in these designs. Brown women, Jennifer Lopez and Selma yeah, too. Women we couldn't of color. get clothes for them, you know I mean? Yeah. It was and so really it's, bad. It's, it's like with each kind of, you know, kind of pushing the needle a little bit, I think it's helped. And now you're seeing um, you know, now you see so many of these actresses and they're, they're wearing everyone. They're wearing all these top brands. It's and so crazy it's now. It's like a fashion, like bonanza. People are just gone bananas. I think it's, it's kind of great to see it. You know, it's yeah. like, it's really out there. The shoulders are big. The bows are big yeah. you know, to see Cardi B, the queen of, of Paris fashion week last in September, I mean, was really kind of fascinating. It's one thing when it's, Beyonce, because she is our goddess and yeah. she is a universal <laughs> goddess. Cardi B is a different stroke. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's like yeah. a flavor. But <laughs> got, she's bringing yeah. it. She's bringing that And then fashion. it's also like the body as well, yes. right? Because mm -hmm. like a lot of these women, mm -hmm. you know, they're it's curvy bodies and mm -hmm. hips and all the things. And so like, I think to, to also see a woman and with that kind of body in those pieces and to your point with Cardi B, I mean, all of the work she was doing with with Terry Mugler and wearing like <laughs> all of these books and just like you know it's oh. just it never we would never have thought we would see something like that happen. I, I really was emotional I mean I have to say during Black Lives Matter I still have my little cardboard sign under my seat in my truck yes you were, there. I, you were there I was out in those streets <laughs> I, I just yeah. lived in that moment I was like I fought for this my entire career I, I started as a model mm -hmm. and I was ethnic and, yeah. and I was <laughs> ethnic in those days I was ethnic and exotic yeah. exotic exotic <laughs> I mean like what I'm, I'm like a, a Latin white boy from Long Island like I'm not that exotic <laughs> Like, very Latin. But it's very, it's very interesting how we've come full circle. And to see men, to see men in women's dresses. Like, it's yeah. crazy what Ty Hunter is doing with Billy Porter. Like, who would think Oscar de la Renta or something would be dressing a black man in a dress? Hmm. Like, yeah. what world do we live in? Hallelujah. Freedom <laughs> of fashion. Social media, I think social media has played a big role in that, you know, because I think, like, for so many years you know, magazines were kind of like the gatekeepers. It was where most people got to see fashion was when you open a magazine and, um, you know, and you frankly, like we didn't see a lot of diversity. We didn't see all of the body types. We didn't see men. We didn't see all of the, the different layers. <laughs> of it. And I think, yeah. and I think with social media, it's kind of opened the playing field because like, I think the audience just got tired of kind of just seeing one, um, mm -hmm. one uh -huh. version one way and road. So just, yeah. And so <laughs> you start having all these content creators that just start, you know, putting things out there. And I think it kind of media and the industry fashion. We industry blew it up. Fun. We blew it yeah, up. And to follow suit. Confetti. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about you personally. Yes. What was your inspiration? What brought you into the fashion world? Uh, your what brought me into the fashion world? I mean, I was that girl, like I think a lot of us who, um, 
as a kid, looked at magazines growing up. Um, Ebony, ironically enough, was one of the first <laughs> magazines that I saw. My grandmother, who she's 97. Oh, she, she must she, be so happy right now. Oh, yes, my God, that you're an editor-in-chief. That is just, oh. Is. You are the when reason. I would, <laughs> yeah. When I would go to her house, she would have, like, copies mm-hmm. of, like, She'd have of everything. She'd have like the Vogue's and the L and Bazaar. But then she her Ebony magazine, she would like laminate them. Oh. She'd have them in a special part of the house. She still has copies of the magazine from like 40 and 50 years ago, which is insane. And so just mm. like going to her house was where I would like, that's where I first got to like dive into this world of magazines. And I just loved looking at the editorials and looking at the models like Pat. Oh gosh. Seeing all of the fantastical fashion and <laughs> these cons, these really conceptual shoots. And that was kind of what set me forth early on in my career of just like wanting to do something in fashion. I didn't know what that would look like back then. I don't think I even knew that you could, you know, have a career in fashion. As a I think, black woman, you, know, you couldn't, maybe no. as a yeah. model. And interesting enough, like Pat mm-hmm. was really a lot of the, the mm-hmm. European more than the American, yeah. correct? I mean, mm-hmm. you got a I lot of I had a chance there, yeah. But the Ebony yeah. set me up. Believe me, that Ebony fashion, fashion fair. fair <laughs> yeah. Fashion yeah. fair, yeah. Fashion fair. It's a school in yeah. itself where integrity and how to walk and how to be entertaining and it's lovely it's and it was fun. a part of the civil rights movement i mean Absolutely. you have stories of yes. going into cities in the yes. south yes. and it was not always welcome here no, no it was difficult yeah. mm-hmm. it was difficult mrs johnson god bless her the family mm-hmm. and they're in oh and wonderful. linda like yes. even linda you know she's kept the torch alive as long as she could so That's that you good. guys could pick it up uh-huh. so on a personal note what do you do to relax what do you get <laughs> how do you inspire yourself outside yeah. of the fashion world because That's it important. is exhausting. Yeah. That's important. Actually in Arizona now, mm-hmm. trying to get some R and R. Yes, so, this is very um, restful getting up in the morning to do us a honey coast. This is great. This is a great way to start the day. But um, but no, just like trying to take some time to myself on the weekends. We had um we had a cover shoot in LA. And so instead of coming back to New York, I said, you know what? I'm gonna go to Arizona and just like get some take- sun. Some time and get some sun and just decompress. So doing that. And then I think outside of that, a lot of it is just spending time with my with family. Um, you know, again, my grandmother, I like she I think if you're if you're blessed enough to have someone that has lived as long, you know, that's very seasoned and has been around as long as 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 my grandmother who's in her 90s. I just try to soak up all of that wisdom and perspective. And just the times that I spend with her just give me a lot of peace because when I'm frazzled talking to her she just has this eternal state of calm wow that's a blessing I I just can't imagine how proud she must be really 97 years old and someone who laminated laminated to have their granddaughter be the editor-in-chief you've opened um, her eyes to new things new possibilities she is I mean she you know she's older than Ebony Ebony is 75 (laughs) years old yes Ebony is 75 years old and she literally has the first the Tell first copy her name. Of say her name. Yes, say her say name. Her Nana. Name. Well, I, I call my name, I call her Nana, but her name is Vera Sargent. Vera Sargent, yes. Let's give it up for Vera Sargent. This is amazing. It's an honor, you know, I definitely, to, you know, it's rare in your career that you get a chance to be at a brand that's iconic and to get a chance to, you know, put my stamp on it and bring something new to the table with the digital covers. And yeah. so really also trying to do different things with our covers and hot spotlight, not just celebrities, but also the everyday 
heroes that are doing amazing things. And so we, we put these young, you know, college say their names. That's the true DNA. That's the true DNA of Ebony. Yeah. Like letting people know. And these are all young students. I mean, one of the girls on the cover is a a 13 year old college sophomore. Her name is Alina Wicker and she's 13, 13 Mm -hmm. in college studying wow. to be um, a doctor. <laughs> do the math so, I don't I don't know <laughs> you know so I think you know it's it's about you know highlighting those everyday heroes in addition to you know all the the glitz and glam and everything inspiration that opening fire. doors yeah. mm-hmm. what's your dream cover like who's your dream person to style <laughs> oh it could God. be past or present like like for me it was always Princess Diana I regret I didn't get to work with Princess Diana or Princess mm-hmm. Grace I'm such a queen but uh, you know I, that's my <laughs> that's my dream you know and Michelle I never got to work with Michelle Obama call me <laughs> yeah I would say a dream cover for me uh Grace Jones yes <laughs> honey love, yes to do Grace she Jones didn't have one. She didn't, you know, I, well yeah get her yeah <laughs> right island, go so visit <laughs> yeah so hopefully we can make that happen something um, generational would be fascinating yeah, because without Grace Jones there would be no Lady Gaga there would mm-hmm. be no Madonna there yep. would be no Cardi B mm-hmm. she is exactly. really well, first of all, Josephine Baker, then you had Grace, and then you have Madonna, and then the Lady Gagas, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, and that's something that I, that for me in this role that I really want to kind of take as my, my torch that I want to bring is like really just kind of bridging the gap between the generations. Because, so important. Well, you know, she we're really going, she yeah, I mean, we're really going digital first, and we know that a lot of the audience that's online are, are these kids and a, the younger audience. So how do we bridge the gap between those Ebony readers that have, have been there for decades, like my grandmother, to the, the kids, you know? And so I think doing things like that, like you said, I think like putting a Grace Jones with uh, a Megan the Stallion yes, or yes. putting a Grace Jones with a Cardi B or, you know, people like that, that are, you wouldn't necessarily picture together, but you know, to your point, all these women that were predecessors, there were people that were, that paved the way before them. So I think acknowledging that and then kind of passing the torch to the next generation, doing more of that. I see you. I see you. I I feel it's so important. I think the kids, Mm -hmm. I think the kids lack the legacy a little. They don't really, I think so many people bow down and and, and appreciate the mm-hmm. things that we've all done mm-hmm. in, in our careers. And so many of them are like, who, what, Yeah, Grace has a little uh, granddaughter who's a very good musician. So maybe you could do a family story, you know? Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. And I think to your point, I mean, those, 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 those layers of, mm-hmm. of, I think also how we tell the stories and bringing mm-hmm. other pieces to, to the puzzle that maybe, you know, readers may not have known about them. Yeah, so um, definitely want to do actually our next cover that'll be coming out next uh, in March. I can't say who it is. Uh, <laughs> darn it. I thought we were getting a scoop. <laughs> <laughs> well, this will actually but it is, it will be a great cross-generational moment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we're excited about that. You know, two women mm-hmm. that represent gener- different generations, but that are doing amazing things in their respective fields. So doing more of that kind of trying to bridge the gap between the two. I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, listen, the the brothers got to get lifted up too, but but the women have just taken such a backseat for so many years. And they're strong. They're the backbone of the family. Come on, let's go with it. And they bring peace. You know, I think in Africa, Mm -hmm. I I got to visit Africa a couple of years ago. And what was so interesting is that they would they would help the women more than the men because the women kept the family together. The men would go off and they would work in other cities and 
bring back disease. And I mean, uh, seriously, <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not making a joke. You no, know, it's, it's, it's serious, true. but that's what the government, like in Botswana, I got to meet with the president who was a woman and, and, and I got to meet with the president of Botswana who was a woman. And, and it was interesting to hear their program and how she knew like the women are the ones we have to support and the, the micro, the micro financing to help women start small businesses is very, Food, very important. Nourishment. nourishment. Yes. Like you're nourishing us now with your presence. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to well, do think... the rest of your vacation? Um, Looking forward to doing a whole lot of nothing. I just have, you know, <laughs> spa treatments and yoga and meditation, just trying to, you know, recalibrate and, and get some R&R before going back to the hustle and bustle. So, but, you know, but all that's all that aside, I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's, this is what I've always, I don't think I ever dreamt that I would be an editor in chief. You know, I think you, you start out as a, you know, I wanted to work in fashion, I, you know, I worked as an assistant in the closet. It was very Devil Wears Prada. It was very wow. Devil Wears Prada, running around doing all the things, mm -hmm. you know. And then I think as the years pass, maybe the goals grow a little bit bigger. At one point, the goal was, a one, I want to be a fashion director. Then that happened. Mm -hmm. And then I, and then you kind of set new goals. But I don't think the editor-in-chief was, was something that I even saw for myself back then. So to to get to do it and to get to do it as such an iconic brand that really means so much is so beloved by so many. It it's like the dream. American so it's a lot treasure. of American like treasure. That. You're an American yeah. treasure for well, us about, right now. How about working with someone like Aisha Curry? So this is the new generation. She is the wife of someone famous. And yet she's like, I'm not going to stand just behind my husband. I'm going to stand next to him and do my own thing. When I saw that she had a magazine, I was like, what? <laughs> and I think it's yeah. amazing. Tell yeah. I mean, I think experience. Yeah, I think that Aisha just represents so many women in terms of the fact that we wear many hats. And, um, you know, I I had gotten a call. She was starting a new magazine with Meredith Publishing called Sweet July, um, a lifestyle publication. But then it also, um, she was looking for someone that could help, you know, round out the editorial for the publication, but also um, someone that could weigh in on her vision for her lifestyle brand, because Sweet July was also a line of um, products. She was going to be doing stores, um, you know, home goods. And so it was a hybrid role where, you know, not only was I working on the magazine, but I was also, um, you know, working on her website. She was going to be launching e-commerce, so helping to set that up. Um, so it just was really exciting to be a part of this new brand that she was starting at the time. And the brand was really all about um, amplifying, you know, women of color. And so just telling stories, um, celebrating the everyday woman, you know, um, it was all about lifestyle. And it was a great, I think, transition for me coming out of you know, being mainly focused on fashion. Now I was heading up this lifestyle company. Um, and that really set the set the tone for me to now kind of come in this role at Ebony, um, overseeing editorial. Um, but well, I, I mean, think, it was a great opportunity. I think that's so important nowadays is it's, it's the full circle. It's the full picture. It's not giving people fish. It's teaching them how to fish yeah. and, and, yeah. and building their own businesses. And I think more than ever, it's important to support black business. I think as mm -hmm. white people, you have to, if you want to be an ally, support a black business. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's nice to sit and post on Instagram, mm -hmm. but actually to walk the walk, talk the talk, you know, uh, there's so much out there now. And I think 
especially via the pandemic, which was a disaster. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> but it inspired so many people to, to do something different and to create yep. their own businesses and to get out there. And you can do it from your kitchen. You can do it with your kid. You can, yep. you know, it's a way of, I found a lot of families bonded together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, she definitely embodies that. And, you know, at Ebony, it's one of the big pillars for us, too. You know, I think you know, to your point, I, media is so different now. And I think publishers know that we can't just live, we can't just rest on having a print publication and that that's going to be the business. <laughs> you have to create a full 360 element, you know? So it's like, how do we take content in the magazine? What does that look like online? How do we take what's online and turn that into an experiential um, platform? How do we create events around the content that we're creating that readers can come to and engage with? How do you create product? that can be extensions of the content that you're creating on the website. So it's like, you know, in the role, in this role, now as being an editor in chief, it, it's so much more than just kind of thinking about the content. It's how, how can it show up in all these different ways? And, you know, entre entrepreneurship is a big part of it. You know, um, at Ebony, you know, one of the big pillars that we're pushing for is small, small black businesses, and we'll be launching a small black business hub, you know, again, creating opportunities where, you know, not only are we giving readers tools of, of brands that they should know about, but also giving you tools of how to succeed as a business owner, where, what are the resources that you exactly. can, you know, pull from to, to help get funding and all those things as well. So we want to be able to really give, um, give people real service mm -hmm. and things that they can take beyond just the stories that they're reading. Um, it's like online. a tool book, information for everyone. Exactly. Empowerment. You have to, so here's it here. I'm going to be a little, a little, you know, uh, a little different, um, uh, you know, as, as I am. Okay. Uh, what about the African-American gay male? That's been someone who's been hidden in the closet for years, the whole DL thing, which has caused so many social problems in the community. Is the magazine going to speak to the gay male, to the to the Billy Porters of the world? Not me, of course, but, <laughs> but Billy I'll tell on. Of course. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, it's about celebrating the totality of us, you know, and I think that to be transparent, I think that it was one of the struggles that the brand had faced in before. I think, you know, it, we, it, we were very particular with the kinds of content, who got to be featured, who got to have a cover, the kinds of stories that we told. And I think, you know, in this new iteration, it's really about celebrating all of us. And I think especially for, for Black men, um, you know, they don't really have anywhere to go. You know, Black women have... Yeah. Essence, Essence is the magazine for Black women. But, you know, Ebony has always been a brand that's dual audience, that speaks to both men and women. And so one of the big things we want to do is build out a whole platform for Black men. Um, many years ago, there was Ebony Man. Mm -hmm. And um, we want to, you know, reimagine that and create a platform for all Black men, you know, of all backgrounds, gay Black men, everything in between, a space where they can fellowship and find content that speaks to them. I think grooming and style is such a big part of that. Um, it's been exciting to see how, yeah. how much, yeah, like all these product lines for yeah. men and like that all men the are doing. products, the, the beard care. Yes, 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 yeah. Yes, and, yes. And, and for so many years, men, had it's nothing. like you were shunned. You were shunned if you cared. Yeah. We only had you know? Duke. We only had Yeah, Duke. they had no products. <laughs> And then if you if you if you cared too much, then that you're shunned, you yeah. know, and I think that now um, it's an exciting time because you see so many brands. There's so many. I mean, you have Pharrell launched a whole 
um, men's skincare line. And I mean, there are so many brands that are yeah, catering. Yeah, he got enough money. I'm, I'm very interested in the guys that are doing it at home. And I, I have well, several friends that men, are doing yeah. it. Yeah, that are making There's so many. Own. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of men. There's a lot of a lot of black men who are doing grooming lines because, um, you know, the needs specifically for black men are, are very specific when it comes to like ingrown hairs and hyperpigmentation and things like that. And, and then so, bumps, then bumps, honey. Yeah, the razor bumps <laughs> and all those things. So, you know, so we really want to create, you know, we're going to be launching all of these brand extensions and um, Ebony Man is going to be, we're going to reimagine that and create Beautiful. a Beautiful. I can't wait to see them. Oh, my anything. gosh. <laughs> you know, they don't have anything. And it will be reflective of all men, you know, and we will have conversation from men of, of all walks of life. And it will be a space where we want all all men, all black men to feel welcome. And I think, and I think to them. Ebony has had such a, a church background. And, you know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a man of faith myself. Yeah. And I think we all support the church. And. But I think there's been a lot of um, pullback from the trans community, interracial communities. How will you speak to those issues? I, I think those are, Paul is part, Paul and Pat are, you know, part mm -hmm. of an interracial, part of an interracial couple. I've just joined them. <laughs> We're going to be a thruple. You are interracial. You're our child. <laughs> it's going to be a thruple. And, uh, you know, how do you speak to that now? You know, I mean, there's definitely is a change. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's just in doing the work and making sure that we're telling those stories, having a having a diverse team of editors that, you know, really have various backgrounds and lifestyles so that they're contributing content to the site that speaks to that. I mean, our first cover that we came out when we relaunched was Lena Waithe. Yeah. And, you know, that was for Ebony. It was a very bold statement for us. I'm sure you I got a lot of pushback from the Did you are you getting a little pushback? No, surprisingly, no people were excited, yeah. you know, I think. And at the point that we put her on, it's not like Lena was a up and comer, yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah. just had her on last year and she's someone at this point who she's huge. Um, so we were slow to, we were even slow to even embrace, embracing, embrace her. But um, I mean, she, people were so excited to see her on that cover and she has been such such a proponent for diversity and you know i think having her on that cover really spoke a lot about the direction that we're looking to go in as a brand and really talking you know speak highlighting people that speak to all of us and i think it's um, a, a matter of speaking truth you know you have to yeah. be truthful and human and conscious of what is um, important to be compassionate you know, when you see these stories, you have compassion for people because you know what they've been through. And yeah. Ebony always tells you the truth about the struggles and the the gains and the goals. You know, setting goals and seeing people reach them is very important, I think. Yeah, no, totally agree. And I think, you know, it's just about having a, a wider scope of who, you know, who we're speaking to and who we're highlighting so that we have that true um, reflection of all of us. And so, um, you know, to your point, we didn't really have any backlash about Lena. People were excited. Um, I think it also, I think also the fact that the brand really has been digital first um, yeah. has been a big part of it too, because a lot of the, the audience online, frankly, are these kids who they're more open, mm -hmm. you know, to be honest, uh, you know, when we were solely in print, there would be letters that we would probably have gotten yeah. about, Lena on a cover back in the day, mm -hmm. you know, and so I think, you know, the, in this new landscape, you know, people want to see more variety, they want to see, they want to see themselves, 
And someone like Lena really reflects that. And she's so unapologetic about who she is and outspoken. And I think, you know, having her be our first, I think kind of set the tone of what we want this new Ebony to be and, you know, how we're looking to embrace all of us. I think it's so important, especially because the community is is so big. And I think for so many years, they're definitely, you know, listen, I've worked with Essence with covers mm-hmm. and it was always very conservative for lack of yeah. a better word. You know, I mean, it was conservative and there. And, you know, I know a lot of the inner workings and there was always a lot of battles. They bought different people in like Susan Boy came in at one point and it was rough when you wanted to do something different as, as in the white world, there's a very closed clench fist attitude a lot of times. We don't do those kind of things. And I, I think it's so great that they took a chance with you and 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 seeing that your vision matches. Yeah, your and vision. you didn't miss that opportunity to be the first. <laughs> and we love that. And to really yeah, take I think it to it's another important. Level. Yeah, I think it I think, you know, you you have to. I think it's the right thing to do. And I think if you want to survive in this landscape, you have to speak to everyone you know you have people want to see themselves and I think it's why a lot of magazines have suffered I mean when you see left and right publications are closing I mean it's been hard because a lot of magazines were slow to change slow to you know even I mean outside of even just you know speaking to LGBTQ I mean when you talk about like just even things like body diversity you wouldn't see a (laughs) model with hips or you know like it took long even for that, you know, to even just see like different body types. And, um, you know, so just, you know, it's interesting because it's, you know, we work in an industry that really is about creative and innovation, but in so many ways, it's just very conservative and has been slow to change um, in a lot of, in a lot of ways. So I think it's been the thing that's hurt um, that, you know, has hurt a lot of magazines through the years and has, has, and even with fashion, I think, you know, when you look at what's happened now with fashion week and the model, you know, who did, you know, who even got a chance to show at fashion week was just the same usual suspects for many, many years, because these designers don't have the, a lot of them, they don't have the resources to put on a show. And, you know, there's so many talented brands that wouldn't even get to show because they just don't have the backing. The money, honey, the money. Yeah, they don't have the money. It was $100,000 at least. Yeah, but now it's kind of changed the game because a lot of people are doing virtual shows. People are doing... Um, more intimate kind of like um, showroom visits, you know, the model for fashion week has really changed. So because of that, you're seeing a lot more new players at the table. And I think that is why you're seeing a lot more diverse designers and because more people are having a chance to get in. And for so many years, it was such a small um, pool of who could have that kind of access. And so I think it's an exciting time. The only thing I, I, I do, I do feel a little weird about is listen, I love, uh, you know, the Kara Youngs and the and the and the Helena Christiansons and just beauty. I am a beauty addict. You know, I love beautiful women. I don't think beauty has to be in a size. What is it? Two zero four yeah. six and whatever it was. But there, I do, I do hate the haterism of now. It's almost like, oh, I don't want to see Helena Christensen. I want to see everything like. There is something about fashion that was aspirational. And I yeah. love that fact. I miss those Peter Lindbergh shoots in Russia with Helena getting yeah. out of our carriage. Like, I want to see a little fantasy in my fashion. I think this whole 
Oh, the picture in it's the office. Real. Yeah, a little, little. So I like a lot of the real, but I want, I want to have some fantasy and aspiration yeah. in my fashion. I really do want to fantasize, even if it's. I'm I'm a fixate on Helena for the moment, but you know whoever whoever it was, you know what I mean. Like I wish I could name twenty black girls that it was, but you know there there just Daniel wasn't. Luna. It was one yeah. at a time, one at a time. So I'm glad that we have the diversity, but but it is interesting, and I think people never understood why that was and 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 how that came about because I think the society mis society and the misconception that black people didn't spend money on clothes. That's not our customer. Black people don't buy fashion. It's like. Huh? <laughs> but now we fashion. see that. I think now we see that. So I, I'm, I'm glad that there is that diversity. I, I think it's fascinating that the Asian community has not stood up more and kind of said, hey, where's our representation? It's interesting because black people have fought for it. Mm -hmm. People of color have fought. Even the Latinos have fought. Mm -hmm. The Asian community has been much more quiet. And, and I want to see them speak up a little more. I want to see them stand up and say, hey, where's my representation you know, they're a big part of the world. And, and where is their representation? I, I think, you know, black people have just gotten tired of being treated as fourth class citizens. I mean, like, you know, when you see the stories of I was picking cotton for 30 cents a, a, a day, you know, I mean, like, it's just horrific. And what's still going yeah. on? What's still I mean, going I think, on? yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, to your point about kind of the fantastical side of it, I, I think um, we, we need we need that, you know? And I mean, for me at Ebony, I think it's about like, we know the stories of struggle, you know, we know the the horrific things that will continue yes, to happen, yes. frankly. Oh, but still, I, we still, still wanna, have to be an artist, you know? You yeah, still have to you see still want to be inspired. Yeah, you have you to know? see what's think, not seen, you know? You have to yeah. see that. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, to your point about women like Helena and Pat <laughs> and so many others, I mean, that's that's what... We, we, we need, you know, it's those moments, moments of inspiration, seeing Pat twirling down the runway and, you know, giving, giving all the drama and the fashion and, you know, seeing these iconic beauties, you know, there's a bit of escapism in that, that we need, you oh, know, frankly. Remember, you know, like, especially in these times. Veronica you know? Webb, she would have the two little buns on top of her head. And one time, Carl Lagerfeld had her come out in the show eating a banana and stu stuffing it in her Chanel purse. Like, <laughs> I just lived in that moment. I was like, oh, yeah. my God, this is so real, but not real at all. And, and yeah. Brandy I mean, Cajonis, Brandy Cajonis, like, who basically Carl took the mm -hmm. whole TLC vibe, <laughs> channeled it into Brandy Cajonis and did, like, seasons of, of Chanel ads based mm -hmm. on on hip-hop hip really mm -hmm. in tlc and yet black people aren't our customer they don't buy fashion and it was the appropriation the appropriation for so long mm. you know yeah. how, how do you feel about appropriation I, I i get a little insulted about it yeah i mean i think it's it's been going on since the beginning of time you know <laughs> <laughs> so you know but i think um you know it's a fine line between appropriation and and appreciation yes you know, and I think um, it's interesting because now I think with social media, so many more brands are getting called out by it. So there's a there's a greater sensitivity now because, uh, you know, whereas back in the day, these brands would kind of do certain things and it would just kind of go under the, you know, people would wouldn't like it, wouldn't like it, but it would just kind of be an internal conversation. Now, brands are, are scared because if you, you know, you do it wrong you'll get canceled, yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, we have so, Beth Ann out there pioneering. Yeah, so I think they're more advocates. <laughs> yeah, and so there are more, you know, they're being held accountable now, you know? Um, 
it's, I think it will always continue to happen. And, you know, to your point, I mean, black people have always been trendsetters and, you know, um, that that's always been a part of what we do. Um, but I think the difference now is now a lot more brands are, um, being called out. So what's, you know. where's, where does it become appropriation and something you've grown up with? Or, you know, I, I sometimes feel like, um, what's it called when someone speaks in like they're black or, or like bitch about uh, Kim. Car- I love being on a radio. Cause you can just say whatever you want. If you curse, <laughs> I love to be able to curse. You know, Kim, they complain when she wears the braids. Well, she's been getting black dick forever. She's part of the culture. I mean, like she is part of the culture, whether she's black or not black or when they, people get mad that, that, that white kids are think they're Eminem or Eminem. Like, you know, like mm. I grew up, with with black friends, I grew up in the street. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't grow up in Harlem, but I grew up in a hood, and I grew up that kid. You know, I mean. So, is it appropriation, or or can't we all just share it? You know, I mean, for some of us, it it, it speaks to me from my my bottom, of my soul, my whole life. You enjoy wearing those things to feel that energy, that music, and that culture. So how do we how do we bring it all together so that there, that there isn't the reverse separatism and the reverse racism? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is where the media part of it comes in, because I think that, you know, if someone grew up in grew up in a neighborhood where they're around a lot of black kids and so it informs how they dress or might inform the music that they listen to, you know, that's one thing. I mean, that's if that's how you grew up, that's how you grew up. But I think where where it becomes an issue is because I think with the media, there's an erasure that's happened um, over time where, you know, it may just as, you know, be easy to have that story about the cornrows where, you know, you might have a model with cornrows and, you know, you could have just had a model of color, you know, why, why have the white model yeah. <laughs> or, um, you know, editorials where I've seen where it'll be a model where they dark, clearly darkened her skin you know, yeah. and it's like, why or not just get a model? Yeah. And it's oh like, why God. not get a model who has that skin tone? Because clearly you're trying to make a reference to a woman of color. So why not just have a woman of color? And so I think that's where it becomes tricky because there are opportunities that are not being afforded to people who are really about that culture. You know, if you if you're doing a story about, you know, where you're hot, you want a model with darker skin, why not give that opportunity to a model that actually has that skin tone naturally, as opposed to taking um, a white model and and putting a bunch of foundation to make her look darker. Well, he's you know? authentic. In, in the '80s, I worked with Nick Kamen all the time. I don't know if you know who Nick Kamen was. He had a big Levi's commercial. He just passed mm-hmm. away this year. I'm so sad. Mm-hmm. Broke my heart, and he did a song with Madonna. Each time you break mm-hmm. my heart, and uh-huh. we used to do these covers. We have to wrap it up. I but I, I want to finish oh. this point. I just have to finish this point. And they took Nick, and Nick and I would go for all the same castings, and they would give him light eyes on his covers. He oh. had dark eyes, he had brown eyes, but they would give him light eyes like mine. Contact. They it was crazy. Was well, he crazy. was in contacts. No, they did it digitally. Had to do that. They had to put the blue contact lenses. It was so in. ridiculous. And I just posted when he passed, I posted covers of us next to each other. Mm-hmm. And they, they would darken me <laughs> and lighten oh, him. Yeah. They'd give him green, uh, blue eyes or green eyes. It was just crazy. It was no. uh, because he was too ethnic and it was scary. Anyway, oh. we have to wrap it up. 
Oh, wow. wow. We just love You're you. Great. Thank you so much. Tell lady. us how to find you. Tell <laughs> us your social media handles. Plug whatever you want to plug. Do it now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you can follow me on Instagram at, at Marielle Bobo. So you have to me. follow her there. Sorry. Please. You have to follow yes. her there because it's so good. That's good. At Marielle Bobo. But at Marielle Bobo. That's my Instagram. And then please support Ebony. You can go to ebony.com and read about all of our content. You can follow Ebony's Instagram at, at Ebony Magazine. Um, there you can see all of our covers and all of our content that we're doing. Thank you. I hope that story of Marielle's life, you know, really just kind of warmed your hearts like it does mine. I I feel like one of the great things about having Pat as my co-host and and all of you here listening to us and telling these stories, I feel like I'm introducing my friends to my friends, and I hope you're feeling like that too. I hope you're learning a lot and just feeling like you've been welcomed into this fashion family we have here at True Crime, Fashion, and Passion. 